Welcome to Contributor Wednesday on Bridge the Gap Network. In this series, you'll hear from thought leaders on a variety of topics dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the senior living industry. Hello, and welcome to Bridge the Gap Contributor Wednesday. I'm Christy Cunningham, and it is Sales and Marketing Week again here at Bridge the Gap Podcast. Tune in on the last Wednesday of every month for something new, interesting, hopefully uh, debatable in senior living sales and marketing. Uh, I am having fun with this podcast and really enjoying all the banter back and forth with you guys, so keep it coming. This month's episode, um, I want to kick off with a story. So I had the pleasure this last month to meet with a senior living sales and marketing executive who was sharing with me his growing discontent with salespeople in senior living who are really falling behind in terms of their ability to keep up with the changes that are happening in the industry. They're really lagging in their use of technology and in their willingness to change. And he and other executives and uh, even other thought leaders across senior living um, have shared this sentiment, I guess, and really talked about how that resistance um, to change for the quote-unquote old guard, you know, the folks who have been around in the industry for a long time, is really setting back their ability to execute on strategies. Um, they ultimately, the ability for us to provide the kind of customer experience that, frankly, our customers expect from us today. And then through COVID and as we've kind of emerged into the days um, that we're in now with COVID, um, have really stunted performance um, for those salespeople as well. And there were two things about that conversation that really struck me and that is inspiring the topic for today's podcast. The first thing that struck me is that I remember, gosh, maybe a decade ago, so 10 years ago, I, w- I was working in a national like sales training capacity. And one of our jobs was to try to help people you know, make good selections with talent and also to train those new hires into being really successful. And so we were involved a lot, those of us who were on that sales training team were involved a lot with leaders who were in, in the interview process. We were involved in the interview process to really try to help identify the best talent. And I remember all the way back then, like I said, 10 years ago, there was this kind of growing sentiment that maybe we should steer away from the tried and true established talent that has been around in the senior living industry for a long time. Maybe all of that experience and all of that history where, of course, that's phenomenal and and hard to replace It also means that they come with a certain set of habits. It means that they may or may not have ever gone through any formal training. And it might be hard to convince them to change their ways because they've already become convinced of how they're going to be successful or how they're going to work. And it may or may not be exactly compatible with the organization and for the way that we train or the way that we sell. So I remember 10 years ago, that was just starting to be something that was being talked about in the hiring process, mostly 
for folks at the community level in, in, a, in sales roles. What's interesting is that over the course of the last 10 years, that has become a more and more and more common discussion, a more common dis- a concern um, when hiring in senior living. And it's something that isn't just limited to the community level now. It's, you know, at the area and regional level, at the divisional level, certainly at the corporate level. There have even been so much as, you know, news articles published with our industry um, news associations um, who are highlighting the corporations who are pulling talent in from other industries, particularly to fill C-suite positions. And guys, yes, C-suite positions that would oversee sales and marketing efforts in particular. And really kind of glorifying that strategy of acquiring talent. So when I'm hearing this story by this executive, I'm immediately thinking, well, gosh, yeah, for the last 10 years, we've been talking about whether it's a liability or a strength and to what degree is it both of those things. And there's this growing trend and growing conversation that maybe we need to be pulling in fresh talent from outside the industry. Well, then that intersected with the, the third piece which is, you know, frankly, my own career growth. Um, Like many of you listening, I have spent a lot of years in senior living. And about three years ago, recognized some trends taking place that made me feel a little bit nervous about, gosh, you know, I've still got a lot of years left um, before I can even think about retiring, like several decades here, a few decades. And how am I going to stay competitive um, when I know so much about senior living, sure, but where there is so much change happening? And I've, I've been on a path really for the last three years trying to think about how do I expand my own personal skills, experiences, and education so that I bring a more diverse and a more well-rounded um, you know, set of those things to the table than just my senior living expertise, right? And so as I'm on the phone with this executive, it's like these dots are being connected between my own, you know, kind of architected growth plan, so to speak, this conversation and trend that's happening in senior living, and then this growing discontent from the sales and marketing executives who are trying to push this change. It occurred to me that, this is a really pivotal moment uh, for professionals who work in senior living, and I'm going to speak specifically to those in the sales and marketing realm. Um, This is a really important moment because what is coming down the pipe, what I see coming down the pipe, and what me and this executive were talking about was something I'm going to call the great extinction, meaning that those career senior living professionals who have not evolved, stayed on the cutting edge, who rested on their laurels and thought that because they were super successful in the past, they were golden, are going to go extinct. Now, granted, if you're hearing that and you really only anticipate to have a year or two left before you are going to be retiring and sunsetting in your career anyway, then keep listening for the people who are going to come after you that you should prepare to be in your seat, (laughs) okay? 
Um, but this this isn't going to pertain so much to you as it is the people who feel like you've got a little more of a runway than just one to two years. For those of you who might be looking five years, 10 years, even 30 years down the road in your career, um, this, this idea of the great extinction is something that you should really have on your mind and really be taking some actions um, to prevent yourself from being a victim of this extinction. So in this episode, I want us to really explore a couple of things. We're going to go through talking about why this mass extinction is something that we that's real and that we should actually worry about. And then obviously, there's a lot of questions that arise from this, like, well, what do we do about it? How do we keep ourselves from going extinct? Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you a spoiler. I don't have the exact answer (laughs) in asking around like I have, which I'll talk about in a minute. Nobody does. But there are four key things that I think we can all incorporate into our growth plans as individuals that will most definitely give us the, the propulsion uh, forward and the inspiration that maybe peers that are going to just stay doing what they're doing now aren't going to be doing and we're going to be moving ahead. They're going to be standing still. They're going to go extinct. You're going to be less likely to do it. So there are four things that I think um, each of us can really look at um, to make sure that we're not going to be victim to uh, going extinct. And, and that doesn't matter if you're at the community level or the corporate level, working in nonprofit, working in for-profit, super large, huge corporation to very small um, operator. Um, this, is, this is really a message that I think is going to be um, across everybody. So let's start with the why, right? Why is this something to worry about? Why is this something to worry about? The first reason is that we have been doing what we've been doing for so long. Many of us have felt very confident in what we know, right? We think we know how to be an expert in senior living. And we've made our rounds, we've had our ups and downs, we've, we've put in our time. And we think that because we've made it through those hard years in our past or that we found the success that we have, that we may not be vulnerable. And it's the fact that we don't feel vulnerable to an extinction, that we don't recognize the ways in which the world is changing around us and feel a little bit scared about that, that we are at risk of going extinct. Because... In our complacency and in that confidence is where we are missing the areas that we are blind, the areas that other people are passing us up, the areas that the world is changing, and we're not keeping up with that change. So it's the fact that we don't feel vulnerable. If if before this podcast episode, you were feeling overall pretty confident about your career, about what you've accomplished so far, and the fact that you'd have a lot of future prospects. No, it doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter whether you own your own company or you, you, know, you are just starting out. You should feel a little bit scared right now because there's a lot of change. And that brings me to my number two. Why is extinction something to worry about? Well, in addition to the fact that most people aren't 
recognizing their own vulnerability. The second reality is that the appetite in the senior living industry for our investors, for our owners, for our operators to expand their market share or to increase the rate of penetration within our markets is going up. So what do I mean by that? Okay, in layman's terms, I mean that the people who are investing in senior living, owning and operating in senior living or senior services want to see that we are beating the competition and wanting to see that we are able to get customers that would not normally have been customers in senior living. So there's a push to try to renovate our buildings, invent new programs, think about how we can attract new people who wouldn't have otherwise considered senior housing, attracting them to come in. And we know that our customers are changing, right? So here's the danger. Here's why this is such a risk for us to be going extinct. Is that there is this push to expand into what hasn't already been done. Yet many senior living, longtime senior living folks at every level feel really, really confident about their own expertise. And when I put in perspective like this to people and I say, all that you really know how to do, if, you're, if you consider yourself to be a senior living expert in today's world, and you've had lots and lots and lots of success in your career, the only thing that you've been able to do is figure out how to get 10% of age and income qualified people to move into senior housing. That's all we've been able to accomplish. All of this expertise, all of this so-called awesomeness. That is all to pull in a measly 10% of age and income qualified people in any market. That's if we're lucky, 10%, by the way, to move into senior housing. So if we were to put that in the context of like a school grade, 10% would be far less than failing, <laughs> right? Um, turns out we're not really as great as we think we are. When we consider those numbers, we're not really as great as we think we are at attracting and persuading people to choose our senior housing options. So all we really know how to do is to get the 10%. We don't know how to get 20%. We don't know how to get 30% because if we knew it, we would be doing it. There's enough pressure, there's enough motivation by our investors, owners, and operators to get more of a market share and to increase these penetration rates that if we knew what to do, we would be doing it, right? So the fact that that appetite for increased performance from a market standpoint is going up and the fact that we have to be humble and honest with ourselves that as much as we think we know, we really only know how to get a pretty small segment of our population to move in, that should make you kind of scared. Because as much as you know, you don't know what you're going to need to know to actually meet the expectations of the people who basically have the power to hire, to fire, to grow or to die right? From an organizational standpoint, of course. And that makes us vulnerable to going extinct. Because if we can't be the ones to figure out how to expand in those areas, someone else is going to come in and do it. 
The third reason why this is something for us to, to worry about is the fact that when you look across the leadership in senior living, and, and I'll speak specifically to those in leadership in the sales and marketing realm, there are many leaders who I would say are in the sunset of their career. They're going to be retiring in the next handful of years or so. And our ability to succession plan is pretty pathetic, guys. There are many of us who have waited in our lines, right? Younger professionals who have risen the ranks in a very conventional way, waited in line for the next position on the ladder. But the higher you go on the ladder, the less training you're ultimately getting into your roles, the less mentorship you're getting, the less true growth planning you're getting. And I had an experience, like I said, about three years ago where I started on this journey of trying to kind of identify what are the things that I'm going to need to know how to do in the next 10 years and how do I create a reverse growth plan for myself from that. And I started to interview executives, um, CEOs, people who are sitting in very in large executive um, positions with organizations, um, thought leaders, technology leaders, and asking the question of like, hey, what's missing out there and what should be there and what kind of skills experiences in education should I should I be getting if I wanted to be elite in the next 10 years and interestingly enough nobody could give me a lot of articulation around that like there wasn't any specific areas that they could suggest for me to focus on just in broadly and this is a symptom guys of the fact that even if you think you're doing okay succession planning because maybe you've identified somebody in your organization that you think has the potential to rise the ranks. If you're not actively identifying the skills, experiences, and education that that person's going to need to be successful by the time they reach those ranks and helping them get that or build to that, you're not really growing your people. They might as well just be on a conveyor belt moving through their careers. That's not active growth. So we have this push of retirement that's going to open up these leadership positions. You have a lack of leaders who have truly been prepared to handle the issues of tomorrow. And frankly, there aren't enough of those leaders anyway who are even being looked at as potential successors to the folks who are going to retire. So there's that problem. You don't even have enough of those people. But even if you did, they're not prepared enough. So what is that going to leave? It's going to leave a delta from a talent perspective. There's going to be more demand for high performing leadership than what we can actually fulfill with the talent we have within the industry. And that delta is where it's going to be ripe for people from other industries coming in. Right? So for those three reasons, the fact that we don't recognize how vulnerable we are, the world is changing, the demands are changing, and we're not humble enough sometimes to see that we only really know how to get a portion of what we're being driven to try to achieve. So we don't, we don't have all the answers and have all the ideas. There needs to be some fresh thinking. And the fact that even just from a pure numbers standpoint, we don't have the prepared talent to, to fulfill the needs of the next generation of leaders. So there's simply going to be demand for more people 
Those three reasons are why we are at risk of mass, mass, mass extinction. And the very least, at risk of really being um, ceilinged, so to speak, hitting a ceiling in your career and not being able to really ascend much further because you're, you're not going to have the sophistication and the experiences that you're going to need to be successful in a more elite sales or marketing environment that is going to be over the next 10 years evolving, right? So when you're looking ahead and you see, okay, all right, Christy, this is the situation. Um, maybe I am a little bit vulnerable. Maybe this, I could be at risk of not reaching the heights that I aspire to reach or being as successful as I want to be. What can I do about it? So there are four things, um, like I promised, four things that you can do that are within your power, your control, no matter what organization you work for, to grow and to build a plan for yourself, okay? The number one thing that cannot be debated is that for the more established talent in senior living, the number one thing that's holding you back right now, you're not fluent in technology. So if you want to be competitive, if you want to really make sure that you have a place in the senior living world, fast forward three, five, 10 years, you need to go get fluent in technology. I don't mean functional. Don't just survive your technology, but I mean fluent. So I imagine some of you are probably like, oh gosh, now I really have to go learn Excel. <laughs> okay. Excel guys was so 10 years ago. If you haven't mastered Microsoft Office Suite, by 2021, you are not only behind, but you are like almost prehistoric. It definitely needs to be something on your to-do list, like, but get it done like yesterday. Because yes, you should have the basic skills in Microsoft Office Suite, in Adobe. Those should not be things that you are struggling with at all. When I talk about technology, I'm talking about virtual meeting technologies, I'm talking about like even something like Google Documents and understanding how like Google Drive works, um, sales applications and platforms, different CRM platforms, video creation and sharing platforms, being able to move. Fluency means being able to move fluidly from one of these technological platforms to another with and without the customers as a part of the flow of every day seamlessly, quickly, efficiently, without a lot of stutter steps, without a lot of bemoaning or having to study and get yourself in the right mindset. No, it should be a very natural extension of you the way that walking or driving a car or doing a first impression walkthrough <laughs> is. It should be that instinctual for you. So if you're one of those that when your corporate entity or your organization rolls out some new technology and you like kind of huff huh, and say, oh my gosh, this is just one more thing to have to juggle, just one more thing that is really getting the way of me actually doing my job. If you find yourself saying that, mark my words, that is a symptom that you are behind. That doesn't mean that every technology is amazing. And, I, and I'm certainly a little more on the cynical side of introducing too many technologies and platforms. So don't even get me started on that. But if you find yourself up 
being confronted by technology and immediately being resistant to it or seeing it as something that is working against you versus working for you, then you are probably somebody who's not adopting the technology, who's not learning the technology, who's not gaining fluency in the technology, and you're falling behind. You are the reason why your organizations are having a hard time keeping up with what the customer expects and keeping up with your competition. And that means that you are at risk of going extinct because you're no longer hireable if you are resistant. So I say that with love. For all of you who don't find yourselves naturally inclined with technology, I'm not saying this to you out of judgment. I'm saying it to you in love because you guys are amazing, beautiful people who are doing such great work with families every single day. Yet you don't even know what your potential could be if you had a bionic arm on you. And that's what technology is. It's your bionic arm. And you're too busy resisting it or buying your time, not seeing it as something that's really going to be important to your success to realize that you're not very far off to going extinct. And I don't want that for you. If you plan on being here in the industry for another couple of years, you want to keep doing good, then mark my words here, guys, and turn that around right now. Go seek the challenge. Go seek the fluency, not just functionality. So that is the number one biggest thing. And not only at the community level, but at the area, at the regional, at the divisional, at the corporate level, the, the degree in which we are not fluid in technology is kind of, a, is kind of scary. So let's, let's turn that around, folks. The next thing that you can do to really push your own growth is to seriously question everything you feel certain about. So if, if you feel certain that X, Y, or Z is the right way to do things in senior living, then write those things out on a piece of paper and start just kind of picking it apart. Why? Why are you so certain? Does it have to be that way? Are there other ways that that could look? Are you really objectively getting the results that you should be getting? A couple of my podcast episodes, guys, from earlier this year kind of play with some topics in this area. There, there was one about business development in particular, where, you know, there's this conventional idea of how amazing business development is, yet we year over year over year are getting worse and worse results from business development, yet we just keep putting the same amount of effort into it. Um, that's an area that I think our certain, quote unquote, certainty in our conventional knowledge of senior living really needs to get real and start to examine whether or not that's actually still working for us or how it needs to change. Um, but even something like relationships, you know, we've, we've drilled into people's heads in the industry that relationships are built in person. Relationships are built in person. So we've driven our sales process, our conversion ratios, everything is driven towards getting people face-to-face, getting people in person. Yet our last two years have shown that salespeople who embrace technology and are able to use technology combined with really exceptional communication skills 
are still able to build relationships without that face-to-face, in-person contact and get superior results, right? So that means that maybe what we thought was absolute certainty, you cannot be successful building relationships in senior living sales without being face-to-face. Well, the last two years sort of call that into question, doesn't it? Especially for those who found another way to do it and were beating the competition. When everybody else was sitting around bemoaning the state of affairs during certain points of COVID, there were some that were very quietly kicking butt. And those people were the ones who figured out how to build relationships regardless of those hurdles. And it was because they weren't tied to these quote-unquote certainties that they were able to find another way. So if you want to grow, you have to examine what are these things that I just absolutely know to be true and start picking them apart. Maybe they really are true, but what if they're not? What if it is those certainties that's holding us to that 10% penetration rate and keeping us from getting to 12, 14, 16, and beyond? Maybe there's more out there for us if we just got out of our own way. All right, number three. In addition to getting out of our own way, we also need to go look for inspiration somewhere else. Especially if you've been around senior living, if this is kind of where you've grown up, so to speak, or you've spent more than five to 10 years in senior living, it's, it's time to go get a dose of diversity and look at other industries and study them. Go learn from them. Go find ways to get the skills that they have, the experiences they have, the education that they have to diversify yourself. If the only experience you really bring to the table is senior living, then you're essentially a one-trick pony. And our customers of tomorrow, the buildings of tomorrow, the services of tomorrow, they need us to bring a broader set of experience to the table. So... Um, I've I've got a few industries jotted down, or actually four, and um, certainly there are more. And and if you've been inspired by another industry that's not on this four, please put it in the notes, like on the LinkedIn page or on the Bridge the Gap podcast page um, to share with others to go do their research and go find opportunity to grow. Um, But the four big ones that, you know, I have are the real estate industry, number one, um, hospitality Number two, the multifamily housing and multifamily rental industry, and even the insurance industry, particularly on the marketing side of things, really, really fascinating um, use of tactics and, and strategy there. So this is, of course, coming looking at those industries from a sales and a marketing standpoint. What are they doing that we're not doing? How are they more sophisticated than we are? What kind of skills do the professionals who work in those industries have? And how do they acquire them? How do you get them? What kind of experiences do they get? What kind of education do they have? And how can you tool yourself so that you have that broader set of perspective? Now, what's interesting about that is in looking at these other industries, at least my personal philosophy is, that not only am I, am I learning how to be a better professional, but when I look at, say, these four industries, 
real estate, hospitality, multifamily, insurance. What's interesting to me is that the customers that have been their bread and butter customers, their primary customers for the last 10 to 20 years, are who our customers are going to be in the next 10 to 20 years, which means that these industries have already mastered their knowledge of our target audience, right? The, the seniors of tomorrow I'm talking about. Not only do they know that audience really, those audiences really well, but they've also shaped that customer, those customer expectations through their processes, through their conventional knowledge, through how they've taught the customer how to interact and engage with them or what to expect. Our customer is coming to us having accumulated all that experience with these other industries And that's somewhat informing how they're going to approach us in senior living to some degree or what they would anticipate in senior living. So I also think it's this really has this real potential when we're looking at these other industries to see that maybe they can shortcut us. Maybe they already know things about our future customer because they've been working with them for so long already that we don't have to spend the time necessarily to study and examine, we can just grab some of that knowledge from them and build on it. Perhaps there are things that they've taught the customers how to expect and and ways that they're already engaging in the customer experience that we can use to make our processes feel more intuitive, more straightforward, and overall more pleasing to the customer. So I think it's really interesting to, to even look at it from the perspective of what do they know about our customer that we can learn through them as well. Okay, finally, number four, seek feedback and mentorship. Seek feedback and mentorship. So go ask your boss, am I a dinosaur? Am I at risk of this great extinction that Christy's talking about? In what ways should I be worried? In what ways will I need to be sharp for the next five to 10 years? What is it going to take for me to be elite? And can you help me get there? So a lot of organizations, um, especially really big ones, can start to feel like big bubbles. And I really recommend, of course, go to your bosses, go to the people within your organization. But I also am a huge proponent for get the heck out of your bubble. Get out of your large organizations. Don't just pick the brains of the people who are all drinking the same Kool-Aid as you. Because you're going to get very similar feedback. And it might be helpful stuff, don't get me wrong. But it's not going to be enough to give you the kind of perspective that you need to grow. So get out of your comfort zone. Look at other organizations that you admire. Look um, at, I I use LinkedIn, LinkedIn a lot um, to connect with people actually like this, where, um, you know, I think folks have really interesting things to say, and I like to follow them, or I see their organizations, you know, executing maybe something in marketing or sales that I think is really awesome, or they're doing it really, really well. And those are the folks that I like to reach out to and say, hey, like, I think that you're really awesome. Um, Can you connect with me? Um, nine times out of 10, when I've approached people, you know, humbly and said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for feedback. I'm looking for mentorship. I'm looking for ideas about how I can be elite. 
Um, would you be willing to give me some time? Nine times out of 10, those folks have been willing to say yes. And I, I've been so grateful. Um, the people who have given me their time ha- have been so influential. And some of them are folks that I knew. Um, some are, are people that I didn't know and I just got connected to on LinkedIn. But they ha- or at our conference or something. But they've, they w- were so willing to share their time and, you know, help me grow. And I don't think that there's enough um, of that out there. I think sometimes it, it can be too anxiety producing or you feel too weird or because you don't already know each other or have a mutual connection, it just feels too awkward to just say, hey, I want to pick your brain. <laughs> but it's actually a huge compliment. And at least in my experience, people have really taken it that way and they've really been so generous in their help. Um, and I've taken those notes, I've kept those notes, I look at them often and use it to help propel me to, you know, the things that I want to accomplish and the skills, experiences and education that I still want to go after in my career. So I really encourage you to do the same thing, get beyond your organization, seek mentorship, seek feedback. Sometimes mentors stick with you for a long time and sometimes they're with you for a short time or even a single conversation. It doesn't matter. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just go seek the insight from people that you respect, right? So those are four things that doesn't matter who you are, what level you are in an organization, whether you're in sales, marketing, or any flavor of senior housing that there is out there. These are four things that each of us can be doing to prevent ourselves from going extinct. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that it's got you thinking about your own future. And it's got you questioning whether you really want to be the resistor in your organizations, the dead weight that's keeping your executives from moving as quickly with the customer and with the change as we need to to be competitive. I hope you're questioning that. And that maybe after this, you're inspired to take some of this advice for one of these four things and do something with it. Definitely want to hear from you. If, uh, you thought, if you think the great extinction is total BS, please let me know. I'd love to debate that with you. Um, if you're going to be at the Smash Conference, which I hope that all of you are because it is the best senior living sales and marketing conference ever. Uh, but the Smash Conference uh, kicks off on October 18th. And there is going to be a part of that conference where we're going to have some table discussions. I think it's called Birds of a Feather. And one of the table discussions is going to be on this topic. And I'm going to be moderating it, um, which is what are future leaders in the sales and marketing realm going to need to be successful? So if you're going to be at Smash or if you're getting online right now to sign up because it's so super awesome, and you need a place to be for birds of the feather, and this topic suits you, then come find my table. Would love for you to join in. And I I hope to be able to sort of co-craft and co-create a list of things that we can all really institute in our growth plans um, to be the future leaders that our industry needs us to be and to not be at risk of having our places taken by people who come from outside the industry without being prepared for that fight. I'm going to be prepared for that fight. And I hope that you guys are too. Um, This is an industry that I love. And I know that there are so many passionate people out there just like me. And I want for us all to have very long and healthy and happy careers doing amazing work and getting better and better every day. 
So hopefully this podcast speaks to you about that. Well, guys, this has been another episode of Contributor Wednesday on the Bridge the Gap podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your month and a great kickoff to October. Take care. Thanks for listening to Contributor Wednesday series on Bridge the Gap Network. For more information about the contributors and for a full library of episodes, visit btgvoice.com.